Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and we have a super, super fun podcast for you today. I have with me Jackie Bowman, who is actively involved with hunting poodles. And so this is fabulous. You know, we talk all the time about the continental trim and the reason that you see the show dogs with their particular outfit, right, for the show ring. And so they are hunting dogs and they are active hunting dogs. So Jackie, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for asking me. Excellent. So give us a little bit of 411. How did you start with poodles? How did you start hunting with poodles? Well, I've had poodles since I was a kid back in the 60s. I'm not going to age myself too bad. (laughs) But I always had interest in the field aspect of the breed from the history of the breed. Mm -hmm. We started actually hunting over our dogs back in the 90s with one of my dogs that decided he was going to be a field dog. Pete hunts upland waterfowl and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. my young standard puppy kept stealing the geese out of the garage when he'd bring one home. And so I thought, well, if he wants a goose that bad, I guess maybe we better start playing hunting dog with him. So I started just training him for grins because at that time, the poodles that weren't available to go into the hunt test. Right. And the working certificate program through the parent club was just basically starting. So the dog was actually a hunting dog that drew me into the field. I love that. Love that. Okay, so we're in the 90s now and the working certificate test Tell us about that, and we'll kind of segue into the other events that poodles are now eligible to compete, but talk to us about what started, you know, the working certificate. Sure. A lot of folks actually up in Canada were, it was spearheaded by Jack Harbour up there and Emily Kane were getting poodles interested, again, back through history into the field, and they were able to get into the Canadian program up there before AKC and PCA got any interest in it. And from that, they had a lot of PR and their hunting dogs up there. The people down here started to get good ideas that this might be a good thing to play with, too. And a program was set up through the parent club, Poodle Club of America, in the early 90s to certify the talent in the dogs that they still can do with some of the original foundation of the breed was. So the working certificate tests basically are almost an instinct test to see if the dog's got it or not. They have to do two simple retrieves on land and two simple retrieves in the water. Then there's a second tier that was put in that the dog needed to have more training for. They have to do a double, which is they watch two birds come down and first go pick one up and then go pick the other one up on land, and they have to do the same thing in the water. And then they also have to honor, which means after they've run their land series, they have to sit and watch another dog do the same thing they just did off leash and be patient and watch the work of the dog, which is kind of hard once they come off the field and they want to go play again. (laughs) Yes. And that's how the original certificates were set up to do. 
that program was pushed hard by a number of people way back when. And with a lot of work from very dedicated people, the retrievers allowed us into the retriever hunt test program, I believe in 98 or 99, right in through there. Okay. The dog that took me to the field, actually he was the first titled AKC junior hunter of the breed. We entered into four hunt tests within 26 days of the start of the program, and he's titled in four. Wow. So that was fun. I've run retriever hunt tests. My family started in field trial labs, so I know how tough that is. (laughs) Yeah, and we basically ran the fall series in this area, and the Wisconsin area is kind of tight with hunt tests. And the fall series is usually the most difficult, and they were run at some of the field trial clubs, so they had a little bit more expectation over some of the breed clubs that host him. So, yeah, and he ran clean tens in three trials. Wow. So that was fun. That's wow. <laughs> That's wow. And it sounds like a little bit emotional, a heart dog for Yeah, you. just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and so then after the retriever work, so you had the working certificate test with PCA, you were allowed to come and participate in the retriever hunt test through AKC. So when did you then add the spaniel hunt test piece? Well, see, I was kind of in disagreement with some of the people earlier on in the program because I thought we should maybe try to get in the spaniel program at the same time. And they flat said no because we want to go into the field trials. Well, we never quite made field trial level. Mm -hmm. But due to the fact that our dogs have been hunted upland the whole time we've ever hunted them, and they're very, very talented upland dogs, and very few poodles I've seen introduced to upland have not been very talented upland dogs. Right. I started pushing kind of hard, <laughs> and we actually got someplace about, oh, four or five years ago, we wound up developing a spaniel upland program for PCA, and it was accepted, and we started to do that and prove to the spaniel program that, yes, indeed, we can do upland work. And so this will be our third year at PCA. Two years ago, we had our inaugural Spaniel Hunt Test. And see, this is just fabulous. I did a, yesterday was my April Fool's Day podcast, right? And so one of the things I actually talked about was poodles hunting and how clearly they're a superior species because, <laughs> because they're able to participate in Spaniel and Retriever Hunt Tests, which I just think is fabulous. And do you see dogs that are competing and titling in both of those? Oh, yes. Yeah. Actually, most of the ones that are titling in the Spaniel test have already been running in the Retriever test. And some of them haven't. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, yeah. Once you get the bug hook that you have to go play hunt trials, you got to go do it. (laughs) I love that. And so the other thing that I noticed, and I just did a little bit of research, that in, what was it, 2017, maybe it was 2018, one of those years, you guys had 34 dogs entered in these events. And that seems to me like a pretty good number for something that's still pretty new. Right. Well, we've actually, I don't have the exact numbers I have to call AKC because last year I did our count and amount. We've got well upwards of 50, 60 dogs already titled in two years. Nice. Including from everything from junior, we have several master dogs that are now titled. So a lot of them are titled not so much just in the field. They're also bench champions and they're also agility and obedience and rally dogs. 
And I just think everybody says, oh, standard poodles are the smartest dogs. And I truly believe it because, you know, they really are amazing. Oh, they're quite bright, but sometimes their intelligence is a pain, too. <laughs> they kind of keep out thinking the trainers. Yeah. So it makes for yes. a more interesting training session, shall we put it this way. <laughs> they're not hardwired to do any one thing, period. Right. I mean, most of your labs and most of your retrievers, I also have Chesapeake's. Okay. They're hardwired to retrieve. Right. They do it because they have to retrieve. The poodles, for the most part, actually, most of them do it for the birds. I mean, if they can come out a different way to find it and get it, they're much happier than if they have to just go plasting through any, you know. Right. <laughs> Right. Heavy cover. Running straight water. lines is definitely not the poodle thing. Is this what you're telling me? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, you also have to remember they have a very strong spaniel base. Mm -hmm. I mean, their heritage was quite were water spaniels. Okay. And they worked with hunters, not for hunters. And therein lies the difference. Mm -hmm. They basically were supposed to, way back when, we're talking 1500s, they were used to flush waterfowl out of marshes. And they were not deep water dogs. They were marsh dogs. Mm -hmm. They also were used to hunt pre-firearms. So they had to hunt with somebody that's got a bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. And they were expected to retrieve the arrows if they missed. So they were working on their own right. for the most part. So to put them right and expect them to behave like a dog that's been developed to strictly do non-slip retriever work, it don't happen that way. Right. They add their crooked lines to their straight lines real quick. <laughs> I love that. And so talk a little bit more about the show champion dogs who are also hunting, because this is anybody that's ever heard my podcast. This is a huge thing for me. And I think it's so important because these standards were written so that the dog could do its job well, right? So the show dog should be able to do the job well. So talk to us about how much you're seeing of people coming from the show ring to the field. Well, basically, that's where they've come from. This is not a split breed because it's been just newly reintroduced to the field. Mm -hmm. So most of the heritage behind, very close up heritage within the last generation, two generations, are show dogs that the people have either had and wanted to try field work with or they've gotten from other people. You know, mm -hmm. where are you going to get them? Either a backyard right. breeder, whatever, or a show breeder. Right. And so basically these dogs, there's no different. Awesome. You know, sometimes the dogs are the extreme show dogs that have got extreme confirmation just built for the hair, which mm -hmm. there are some, mm -hmm. have more issues with it, but the desire is still there. They may not be as physically talented at doing it, but like I said, for the most part, it's still in the dog. You just have to bring it out. Wow. I love this. And so, okay, my next question, standards, obviously, minis, because I have actually wire hair pointer friends that hunt with minis. Do you see as many minis as standards? You're seeing more and more because people are realizing how tenacious the little buggers are. They really are strong little dogs. Right. And like I said, they're very tenacious. Actually, the standards have been more selected to have a more mellowed out type personality simply because they're big dogs. It's the big dog, little dog syndrome. Right. People right. think it's cute when the little dog comes up and, you know, stomps his feet and goes, hey, I'm bigger than you. <laughs> but it, let's say a 50, 60 pound dog does that. They kind of frown upon that a bit. So the little dogs haven't lost any of that tenacity. And for the most part, they're a much better swimming animal, probably because of the fact they're short. And this is my theory. Huh. 
Because every time they get more than two or three strides into the water, they have to swim. Right. There's no waiting for a miniature. <laughs> no, not easily. Not easily. Whereas the standards, if they can bottom walk, yeah, they're yeah. going to try. Yeah, absolutely. They're very good at it. And I assume, but I shouldn't, toys, does that variety participate at all? Not really. Okay. Actually, to me, I think it's a dangerous situation. Right simply because they are so small. And right. even an upland bird, unless you're going to be working maybe a quail, even a really tough toy is going to have a problem with a rooster pheasant, yes. period. Yes. That was kind of what I thought, because they're sort of the size of the birds. <laughs> right. And see, part of the other thing, too, is they came from a different... I mean, this is all... It's one breed with three varieties. Right. But they've all been interbred down the road, and the toys were basically used as pets. They were also used as circus performers. Mm. They were also used with the miniatures as truffle dogs. Uh, They're very good at scenting animals. So they had a lot of jobs, too. It's just they were different jobs. Right. Oh, I love that. Okay, so PCA is coming up. Yep. And you're going to have all of these events. You're also going to have an opportunity for people to test out their, if you will, floofy show dog. (laughs) Yep, yep. And so is that something that people can decide to do like the day of, or do they have to kind of pre-enter that? It probably would be a good thing to get on the PCA website, and there's, I guess, like a little sign-up sheet on there that you can get a hold of and email somebody to. I don't know exactly where that needs to go to. Okay. But it's just kind of an instinct to see if the dog has any field aptitude. And I believe that's usually run on Sunday, okay. but I'm not 100% sure on that. It's either Saturday or Sunday, but I'm pretty sure it's Sunday. The uh, Upland events are being held on Thursday will be the Spaniel test. Friday will be the certificate testing for the Upland. Saturday will be the retriever hunt test. And Sunday will be the working certificate retriever test. Awesome. So that's four days. And then we start the rest of the show. Exactly. (laughs) Wirehair pointers have a field trial and a dog show. So our national, if we do both, it is 10 days. I mean, that's just your life. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what this is, too. It starts on the Thursday and finishes on the following Friday. Right. Right. So it's kind of crazy. Okay. So final question. You're a groomer by profession. How much of a challenge is it to take those dogs that were out mucking about in the marsh and get them ready for PCA with all the glamour? (laughs) No, it's not too bad. Most of them aren't in full coat. There will be a few that are. Last year, I took mine and went from, we did all four field events. Then we did agility. Then we did rally and beginner novice. And then we showed him in the hunting dog class and stud dog class. So we were there the full length of time, and he's in the shorter trim, sure. the modified Continental, which has been getting a lot more popular right now. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really a big issue because this is a trim that was developed. The extra hair is always, more is better. Mm -hmm. So we grow and spray up, but the working Continental trim, which is basically the modified trim, it can go from the water to the show ring and back again without any problems. I love that. So that's kind of fun. I love that. Okay, so listeners, we will have information, links, and if I'm very, very lucky, Jackie will send me a picture of this dog in its working continental trim that went from the field to the show ring last year. I can do that. We have a couple. Yes. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much. You told me you have nine dogs to trim. Get to it. You bet. I really, really appreciate your time today. Sure. Not a problem. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, 
helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is G-O-O-D-D-O-G dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.